0: Serkan Toto, uh, who's the founder of Catan Games, and we're in the very, uh, well, I would say the beautiful and uh, luxurious surroundings of the Palace Hotel, but I have to say, Serkan, my, my timing was particularly bad because I think I've missed the cherry blossom season by about a week, is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's it's about to start or something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, you, you could be lucky, you could be lucky, it depends, uh, depends on your luck, yeah. yeah. But
0: it, it's certainly a very beautiful surroundings. And uh, second and I have all oh, we've interacted quite a few times over the years right uh, but it's been about seven years since I, I think I was last in Japan and caught up for coffee
1: right right yeah that was uh, in the Stone Age you know <laughs> uh, te- uh, technology wise yeah. I-, I
0: remember back then you were, you were telling me stories about uh, mobile games and and, and how uh, the evolution of the games really came from this world which was how can you play things with a single finger while holding onto the subway?
1: Right. Yeah, so these were the feature phone times in Japan, right, yeah. where you didn't have so much uh, flexibility as a mobile game maker in terms of uh, controlling the games. Uh, so you essentially had to use the keypad. And for that, you had to uh, figure out ways on how, how to make uh, Japanese people uh, you know, make, uh, play games with uh, just one finger, with, just one, with your thumb, essentially. But that, again, that was uh, seven years ago, and things have changed a lot since then.
0: Uh, what drew you into the world of mobile games?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually a gamer by heart. So, I'm, uh, uh, so I've been playing games for over 30 years now, and uh, uh, I've always been interested in the gaming industry. So I love games as, uh, uh, for, as, as a fan, but also from the business side. So I'm also very, very interested in the, in the, in the business of games. Um, and I, I live in the right country, which is Japan. And uh, so um, uh, quite a few of these things uh, led together, and uh, I'm now um, uh, doing what I do now. So
0: you actually play these games? You don't know. Just I play. Them. Yeah. So so I
1: play. I play. You draw the
0: line of dressing up in costumes and going to
1: Akihabara. Right? That's that's correct. I'm I'm not doing that. I've never done that. But uh, yeah. So I play. I mean, let's say the major mobile games. I would say I play a lot. But uh, you know, to play every game, uh, even if I just focus on the Japanese market, that's essentially impossible. There's just too much content coming out every day uh, that's tailor made for a Japanese audience.
0: The big announcement that, that we've all been reading about this, you know, the last uh, couple of weeks has been the uh, linking up of Nintendo and DNA. Right. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about what's happened and why that's really so monumental?
1: Yeah, so basically, I mean, you know, uh, um, Nintendo has, uh, in one sentence, Nintendo has, uh, you know, decided to make mobile games. And uh, the, the, big, uh, the big bullet point here is that Nintendo, for six, uh, for roughly five, six years, they've been uh, looking down at the mobile games market um as a market where there's just shallow content where the mobile game makers are just there to uh, skim uh, people uh, you know to um, uh, uh, to um, uh, cheat kids and uh, young adults out of their money with the free-to-play business model that most business uh, that most uh, mobile games have and they were generally concerned
0: about their intellectual property and brand image that's
1: one other problem you know especially uh, uh, you know they were concerned about uh, you know spreading the nintendo experience over you know, a whole, whole array of tablets and uh, smartphones and, in different, in different uh, geographies of the world and, you know, all, the, all of these uh, pieces of hardware are different um, and uh, they, were, they were afraid of losing uh, the stack that they are sitting on, you know, which is the hardware and software stack that, that is uh, right now, as we speak, uh, on the video game side completely controlled by Nintendo. And they will have to give away a lot of that control uh, when they do mobile games. Mm. So they have been resisting for such a long time against, uh, against uh, going mobile and, again, looking down at, at the industry as a whole. Uh, and the, um, the decision, now about a week ago, uh, came out of nowhere. So all of that led to that eruption you know, mm. in, in, in the news press, in, uh, not only in gaming, but also beyond gaming, because Nintendo is the biggest brand in, in gaming.
0: What, why do you know?
1: Yeah, so, so because when
0: we when we when we last met, they they were really such a powerhouse. You know? Yeah, so
1: but that was yeah, so, I mean, that was yeah. really a long time ago. And so on the, the feature phone times, you know, DNA in Japan on the mobile game side, they were forming a duopoly with their arch enemy Gree. So they were basically a content provider and platform provider at the mm. same time. So they were one of these uh, classic hybrid uh, companies that were uh, controlling uh, the entire market again together with their big competitor. But uh, you know they got disrupted by the smartphone revolution right so smartphones came the iphone was a big success in japan uh, android came at the same time google was uh, became more and more powerful and then uh, you know in 2008 apple introduced the app store then later android market came and google play came and uh, dna lost their platform business or is at the moment is in the process of still losing it they're still making uh, they're still making uh, you know good money with it but it's it's a declining business mm. and uh, they had to go for a big bang you know, so, because DNA had trouble uh, pushing out hit releases on, on, on the App Store and on Google Play, they tried. All of the games failed. Uh, so, basically, you have here two uh, companies uh, that were in uh, deeper structural problems, but they are now trying uh, uh, to overcome uh, their problems by, you know, by combining their uh, strengths and um, uh, competing on the marketplace together.
0: Mm. So, do, do you think? I mean, Japan has influenced so much about the design of video games mobile yeah. uh, youth culture uh, do, do you think there's going to be a uh some fascinating new ideas now coming from japan again in, in this new world we're moving to especially with augmented reality and virtual reality yeah i
1: think that uh, that's a very good point i think that if you look at if you look at uh, you know if you look at nintendo right now for example right if you look at the seven eight nine year old kids especially in the us and in europe uh they don't really know nintendo anymore right so they don't they don't go to their parents and ask for a Game Boy anymore or for a ds anymore they ask for uh, they ask for an ipad yeah. Right, or they ask for, uh, for an iPod or something like that. Or, or just some credit to
0: buy whatever latest game there is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, so they, they are not really you know, in that Nintendo camp anymore. So Nintendo has lost that generation. So they will have to come up with some sort of innovative ideas of, of how to uh, come up with uh, come up with a new recipe for uh, for winning back or recapturing that uh, lost generation of video gamers right and they of course have to compete with the companies that have been doing mobile games for 6 7 years now oh. and if they just um, if they just you know um, uh, reuse some of their old ideas from the from the consoles uh, from the console world this is not going to work yeah. right so they have to come just up with just putting
0: some super mario on that mobile that will not work
1: like that. yeah that will not work so they will come up uh, for for example they uh, announce a new video game device so that game is in my eyes is not going to be a traditional home console anymore it's it's probably going to be a hybrid between a tablet and uh, a portable uh, game console that you can also connect to the television. This is my personal, uh, this is my personal uh, assumption. You're not putting bets on the Virtual Boy coming back? Uh, no, the Virtual Boy was probably not come back. But I think at some point, I think that Nintendo's waking for the virtual reality uh, revolution. So yeah. I think that uh, it's essentially the only co- big company left that's not has not done a big announcement in, in, in that field. Augmented reality, virtual reality, all these helmets, et cetera, et cetera. Microsoft did it. Um, you know, Sony did it, of course, Facebook through Oculus did it, HTC did it. Um, but uh, Nintendo was very, very calm on that matter until now.
0: I, years ago, I actually went to visit their head offices in, you uh, Os- know, I think it's it Osaka or... It's, I think it's Kyoto. Kyoto, yeah, yeah. Kyoto. Yeah, And I was just blown away because I felt like I was going to Disney. Yeah.
1: And I realized that this actually wasn't a, a technology company at all. It was right. a character-driven company. Right, right, right. Yeah, so j- Japanese people in, in, in general or Japanese companies, uh, you know, even Japan, the Japanese government, uh, they, they are crazy about characters, right? So Japan is char- uh, character um, uh, country. So even the Jap- Japan Self Defense Force, you know, this basically the Japanese army that's you know active in Afghanistan, Iraq, etc., etc. Even these guys have a mascot, right? Yeah. I mean, on their on their on their weapon, uh, not on the weapons, but on their vehicles and you know on their um, on their material, etc., etc. So Japanese people love characters.
0: Where does that obsession with characters come from? Is it something that comes out of a Shinto or like some yeah, animism?
1: Yeah, that's. So that's a good question. So my personal view is that you know Japanese people in their everyday lives in school, university, and in in companies and you know in their workplaces, they are, this is just my personal opinion but they are confronted with so many of, of uh, figures that uh, exude authority uh, that i think that uh, uh, you know these characters are a little bit of an escape for them right, right? if they, if they see you know a friendly face that's not you know that's not threatening to them you know uh, that they can you know that they can have fun with i think that's a, it's like an antidote to to the everyday of authority that they see uh, when they look at inter- and interact with other people and the, the japanese society is very rigid um, and i think that uh, you know that uh, characters are uh, in a, a little bit of a um, antidote to that
0: so the characters allow them to play out the fantasies that they would like to do I if they were so, think so, yes. uh, so constricted yeah do, do you think that focus on characters is why japan has been so successful in video gaming
1: i think that's a big I, I think that's a big step right? Mm. i think that's a big uh, th- that's a big part right i mean think that if you if you think about video games if you think about the iconic brands nowadays i mean um, uh, you know it's all character driven right i mean you need to have uh, you need to have some sort of uh, some sort of um, uh, you know some sort of um, what, what, what you can call, I don't know, reference point, right, in, inside, in, inside the games uh, that you can identify with. You know, you need to have some, uh, you know, you need to have some uh, um, c- character that uh, people associate your brand with. And Nintendo is, is uh, I think, the best company by far in that, in, that, in that space in the video game world. I think that the other big company that comes to my mind right now, which does this very, very well, is Disney. Mm. But in the, in the world of games, I think that nobody uh, beats, uh, beats Nintendo. And when they go to the mobile world, I think they have this big advantage that in, on, on the mobile side, uh, no other company has achieved what Nintendo has done on the, on the video game side. Mm. So this is why I'm personally very, very bullish on uh, Nintendo going mobile.
0: As we were talking about before, uh one of the unusual things that's happened in the last five or six years has been the assault on feature phones by smartphones. And a lot of people said that Apple would never really make a headway here because the Japanese were so set in their ways. Right. Uh, and, and I love that it's an expression for flip phones here, they call them uh, Garake. Right. Uh, right. What's the origin of that word? It literally means like Galapagos Islands. Yeah. Right?
1: So, so basically it, it <laughs> means that, you know, the, the Japanese uh, phone ecosystem since uh, it was, uh, since the in inception around 1999 when the first web-enabled cell phone con- was mass commercialized, NTT, NTT, yeah, do- 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 yeah, right. so yeah so that was in February 1999. I think it was basically the first, uh, you know, web-enabled uh, cell phone in the world that was actually mass commercialized to, to an actual actual market. Um, and since then you know the, the, the Japanese phone industry basically um, you know grew and developed itself into a big into a big market but and th- this is the point but untouched by foreign uh, by uh, foreign companies mm-hmm. uh, so it's very uh, or used to be very very unique uh, for between 1999 and, and 2008 uh, and 2008 was the was the year when the iPhone came and basically um, uh, disrupted the entire feature phone industry from hardware makers uh, software makers middleware makers uh, service providers everybody in that telcos everybody in that industry was basically uh, disrupted when the iphone came in but yes for nine years uh, the japanese phone uh, industry was basically a galopagos yeah
0: these technologies still persist though and and I sort of see this uh, you know it's not just phones this is one of the last places on earth that people still buy CDs in fact rent CDs and rent movies and DVDs that's correct why why is it I mean why is it that Japan is so sophisticated and technologically advanced in some respects but other attributes seem to persist a lot longer than <laughs> everywhere else. right
1: right yeah so so i'm i'm living in, in japan for 11 years now i'm a big fan of the country and the people so and you know nobody forces me uh, uh, to stay here and uh, i'm I'm staying here because i just like the country so much but at the same time i have to say that uh, very much like my home country of germany uh, you know japan is very conservative it's very very slow moving um, and in the in the world of media, I think that this is especially true. So if you if you look at the music world, for example, you know streaming services have never taken off in Japan. And we, you know we're talking about uh, March two thousand fifteen. This is where we are right now. Uh, so Spotify, uh, for example, ex- exists, but uh, they have trouble you know securing content. Uh, Netflix is about to uh, is about to launch in six months. Hulu Japan essentially flopped. So uh, these media providers have a lot of trouble uh, getting their uh, new technologies actually to the people, and this is one of the reasons uh, that I can uh, that I can uh, come up with. But this is I one of the first
0: places in the world where you could buy music yeah. on your mobile phone, on your old feature phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't a streaming model, was it? It
1: was like a. You downloaded it, yes, you right. downloaded it. And it was, um, you know, you had to basically, uh, it wasn't transferable, so it was DRM, and um, the quality was not really high, mm. and uh, it was not a, such a pleasant, uh, you know, experience when you compare it with uh, Spotify nowadays, for example. Right. You can still do it, right? I mean, you can still actually, on the feature phone, these uh, music download services, they all exist. You can still, you know, download music on your feature phone and then, you know, uh, uh, listen to it on your feature phone as well. But uh, you're totally right. I mean, if you look at if you look at the global music market, it's it's just backwards, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it still persists, yes. Yeah. When you look at the
0: next generation of Japanese, uh, of course, they're now using these devices very different to the ones their parents used. Right. Have you noticed uh, any unusual, I guess, assimilations? I mean, one of the things I'm always interested in is when things come into Japan, they they never come through unscathed. They're always uh, Japanified.
1: Yes, that's very true. And so, how,
0: how do the way the kids use iPhones and Android devices have there been things that have that have, have I guess evolved here that make them uniquely the Japanese?
1: Oh yes, I think that you know uh, that uh, there's a lot of things actually. So on the hardware side, uh, you know the iPhone is basically yeah. the same everywhere. So on the yes. I, on iOS, uh, you know on the hardware side, there's no not much you know uh, um, you know exciting things to be uh, to be uh, you know, reported about Japan you know maybe the one or the other uh, you know, uh, interesting accessory or something like that but it's not, that, that's not really groundbreaking on the Android hardware side though you know um, and this is interesting because you mentioned feature phones anymore uh, a, a few of the uh, you know uh, advanced features of the feature phones were taken over. On Android phones, so if you buy a Japanese Android phone nowadays, uh, you know you get um, electronic uh, commute uh, ticket with it. Ah. Uh, you can uh, you have an uh, electronic payment. Y- uh, you know you- this is your Suica or pass mode. Yes, yes, NF- uh, chip. Sure. Yeah. Yes, because as you know, um, you know Android is fairly customizable. Yeah. Uh, so so they're using these uh, these two features for it. Other other uh, models also have a uh, You know the g- digital TV um, <laughs> uh, that you used to know from the feature phone times. Right. Yeah. So, so so these have basically survived and you know have survived the. Switch from feature phones to uh, to uh, smartphones. Because are they actually they
0: are, integrated into the operating system, or they just yeah, bolted yeah, yeah. on? No,
1: no. I mean, they, they are basically part of the. They are basically part of the mm. uh, package. You know, mm. you, can, you can you can you can you don't have to you don't you know you don't have to do uh, a lot of modifications. So uh, a lot of the Android phones uh, here from Sharp, uh, Sony, Panasonic, etc., etc. They have the features that I mentioned. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And okay. this is just just Japan only. So if you if you take one of these uh, one of these devices outside Japan, you know these features. I mean, are not accessible.
0: What about in terms of apps and usages? I mean, have there been a lot of dedicated Japan-only apps that have that have, that have evolved here?
1: Uh, yeah. So, so uh, the biggest bullet point there is the games. is the games uh, market, right? I mean, j- just like uh, in most other countries in the world, uh, games are the biggest. Uh, games are the biggest. Uh, you know, um, games are the biggest, um, uh, you know, category of apps on on the apps uh, on the game side. You know, Japan is uh, famous for being the biggest uh, mobile games market in the world, and we're just talking about the smartphone market. There's mm-hmm. still uh, still a bigger, uh, relatively bigger uh, feature phone games market, but uh, just uh, talking about smartphone apps, uh, which is comparable to the to the market in the U.S., for example, Japan is much bigger. Yeah. Do you
0: see the, the, the next generation of um, Japanese behaving quite differently? Uh, when, I, when I was walking around uh, town, I, I noticed these internet cafes. And I was kind of blown away by this because I thought right. this had gone out years ago. Right. And someone told me they weren't actually used uh, you know, to, to, to access the internet. Yeah. They're actually a, a kind of a third space where kids were using to get away from their parents. That's a, and yeah. They could yeah. read comics and you know, watch uh, movies in peace.
1: That's true. Yeah, so so that's why I mean, there's also reports that you know some adults are, are using it as uh, you know well, it's cheap accommodation. Yes, those, it's, right? it's, yeah, and you know uh, when you're a salaryman, you know when you're too late for for, for the last train, you know you don't want to uh, spend uh, ten thousand yen or something or one hundred U.S. dollars uh, to uh, to take the cab home. You just mm. you know. You just um, uh, spent the night at a at a internet cafe. So they're not accessing the internet. So it's just a euphemism a euphemism for a cheese. These places are quite disturbing, though. I mean, they were like these
0: tiny <laughs> little booths, and it yeah. sort of made me think of you know this this phenomenon uh, years ago that they were talking about the uh, hikikomori, you know, these uh, kids yeah. who are highly connected but locked themselves in the room for oh, six yeah, months. Oh, yeah, still of hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, yeah. What, is, what
1: is so? This is still a very real issue in Japan. Oh yes, absolutely. And the the uh, and you know. Um, yeah. So, so, so uh, I think there's uh, official statistics from the Japanese government. Uh, I think that at least half a million of these of these people are. Uh, half a million? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, and this is the official statistic uh, right. actually.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what defines them and their symptoms?
1: Uh, so basically, so, so I'm not a, I'm not a you know a, a real expert on on that phenomenon. What what do you have to be? I don't know psychologist or you know <laughs> government employee who takes care of of, of such a social uh, so, uh, such a social symptoms. But uh, you know these are basically people who lock themselves uh, up in their rooms and don't uh, and don't um, you know don't leave uh, their house or their apartment or in some cases even their rooms uh, apart from uh, taking a shower from time to time and uh, eating. And they don't interact with other people except for the internet and their cell phones, and uh, they don't have jobs. Uh, they don't have training. They don't have education. They just uh, live in their own uh, live in their own worlds. They, this is what what they do all day. And play mobile games. And play mobile games. So some of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other ones are t- are playing video
0: games. Okay. Right? So yeah. Years ago, I used to come to Japan all the time because this this was a, in a way like stepping to the future. Um, right. And I kind of feel now that we're moving to the mobile world uh, so strongly that Japan's going to have a big role to play, again, in shaping and influencing culture. What what, what is your feeling uh, about the areas that Japan is going to have the, the most influence over in terms of in- innovation and new ideas. I mean, if Steve Jobs were to come to Japan again mm-hmm. to steal the best ideas right. and incorporate it to his next device, right. what would he be looking at? I
1: mean, he did a, he did a lot of that with, well, with the saying. iPhone, right? I mean, I mean, he, he, he did it once with the iPhone yeah, and right. arguably
0: they did it with payments.
1: Right uh, to right, some extent with right. Apple Pay, they yes.
0: took a lot of lessons from uh, the uh, Suica and other
1: systems. Yes, yeah, so, so I was I was actually I was actually up, uh, watching the uh, the Apple press conference when Tim Cook was so proud and you know sh- show, uh, showing how Apple Pay works. So I had to laugh because I've I've been doing this uh, for years in Japan. Yeah. I mean, he was so proud, you know, that you could just uh, pay in, in in an instant for. And this what, is the
0: early two thousands. Yeah, it, like uh,
1: it it was a little bit from a Japanese perspective. It was it was uh, laughable actually, you know, because it just so natural for millions of people in, in Japan for doing that on a daily basis. You can even do that on a vending machine. Mm. Right? It's not a, a big deal at all. Um, I think, though, that, you know, when, when the smartphone ca- when the smartphones uh, came, I think that, you know, Jap- the Japanese mobile phone industry, I think, is, st- is still in a state of shock, to be, to be really honest with you. If you look at the number of hardware makers, I think there were at 13, one, three, Kyosera, you know, Sharp, Panasonic, Sony, NEC, um, and all of these guys were in the business of making phones, of making mobile phones, specifically for the domestic market. Uh, but um, uh, it was a Galapagos, so there was no foreign influence. They had a cozy relationship with the telecommunications companies and all of these things. But then, when Apple and uh, when Apple and Android came, that whole system just blew up. And uh, I think that at the at the moment we're talking just about about uh, three or four uh, hardwa- uh, you know mobile phone hardware makers. I think Sharp is left. Sony is, is, is still doing things and I think one or two more, but that's about it. Yeah. And the market is basically now controlled by um, Apple, Samsung um, and even Dell is uh, uh, selling phones here. and then Chinese makers are selling phones here. Yeah, so the, you, during your last visit, I mean, if I told you that before your last visit or if you told me that, you know, that this would be a uh, you know um, a scenario in a few years, I would have laughed at you. But now it's very, very natural. So I think that the mobile phone industry here is both on the hardware side and on the software side. I think they are still trying to catch up. So, so where are the rising stars going to be? Uh, I think I think uh, the rising stars <clears throat> at the moment uh, they are definitely on mo- on the mobile game side. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the top ten publishers uh, in the world in, in the in the year two thousand fourteen based on uh, revenue. Uh, both on iOS and Android com- combined, uh, five of them uh, come from from Japan. Mm. Yeah, so it's a really, really big market here. Yeah. Which of those? Uh, it's a uh, Colopo, it's a uh, Mixi, mm. uh, Gangho, um, Colopo Mixi, Gangho. Uh, yeah, and two more mm. um, uh, yeah. that, uh, that are basically uh, Japanese companies and actually the number one, the top uh, publisher uh, is, uh, is a company called, from Finland called, called Supercell, but uh, that company is actually also now Japan-owned. Right. So it's technically six of the top ten publishers from, from last year are, um, are Japanese companies essentially. Right. Yeah. Uh, and of course
0: there's the phenomenon that is Lime. Yes. Yeah. Uh, could you could you talk a little bit about Line and I guess its origins? Because I know it's actually a Korean company, but it was really incubated here in Japan.
1: Right? Yes, yes. So, so the the company is basically Korean owned, but it's it's a Japanese company, so it's registered here in Japan. So, so these guys are paying taxes here in Japan. Line as as a, a messaging platform, it's basically like WhatsApp or WeChat or Kakao talk, it's basically I mean, the Japanese answer to that, you could say. And it came about uh, after the earthquake. So so after the earthquake, you know, a lot of people there was a lot of talk in the Japanese society about uh, about how useful the Internet is. I mean, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, the Japanese uh, society is very, very conservative. So a lot of people were very wary of uh, social networking and, you know, all the bad things that, that can happen on the Internet. Uh, but uh, um, after the earthquake hit, you know, the phone networks were dead. But the mobile internet and the internet was working, right? So a lot of people took to Twitter, took to Facebook, uh, to to say, "Hey, I'm okay," or "Where are you?" etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so suddenly, uh, the so-called dangerous social media were very, very useful. Yeah. And after that, there was a little bit of a mind uh, of, a, of a change in the mindset of a lot of uh, conservative uh, Japanese people who said, "Okay, hey, this this can actually be useful sometime." And then a line was incubated as a, as a response to that. Right, so to to provide a to provide a way to communicate um, with people who are not that tech savvy, you know, because it's it's difficult to set up a Twitter account or to to uh, to Facebook account. While Line, you just you know download the app, you sign in, it pulls the, all the contacts from your phone book, and you're set. Right. Right. So this is how Line works. Uh, when you uh, when you uh, that the on- onboarding process, right, yeah. and then you know Line after that just took off like a rocket. So now they are at uh, fifty-five million uh, uh, register uh, now active users in Japan. Were there any particular cultural values
0: that were inherently Japanese. That were baked into line. That, that oh yeah,
1: I mean the sticker uh, thing comes to comes to mind <laughs> almost immediately, right? So mm-hmm. a line, uh, it's basically like a uh, um, you know emoji on uh, steroids, right? And you know Japanese people, as we talked about earlier, love characters. You know they love um, you, you know they love k- these uh, uh, special ways of communicating, right? Mm-hmm. I mean if you look at if you look at the feature phone times like uh, the cell phone novel culture, right? They, they were reading and actually also writing cell phone novels on feature phones just mind boggling nowadays but this was an actual it was an actual phenomenon right uh, and uh, so so line came up with the idea of replacing text with uh, stickers that convey emotions much much better than uh, when you just type in hello or how are you or something like that and uh, so these stickers were of course character driven they were very cute they were very easy to understand they were very easy to use um, and uh, this is one of the main reasons why the, uh, why the, um, you know, why the app took off. And r- right now the company that's operating uh, the, uh, the app is uh, trying to, to transform it into a platform for everything. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, and of course, uh, what makes Line really unique, it's not just working in Japan this time, it's not a Galapagos Island, it's actually spread globally.
1: That's actually v- a very good point, yeah.
0: Uh, but why? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's so many other things that have, that have been incubated here in Japan just don't seem to
1: work anywhere else. Absolutely correct. Yeah. So there have been very, very few exceptions on, on the mobile game side. Mm. Very, very few. But uh, they, they also, you know, just crashed and burned after a while. But Line is the first web slash online slash mobile service that has ever made a splash outside Japan. Mm. You could argue that, you know, the half of the, uh, you know, MAU, the monthly active users, is in. Japan, Thailand, and Taiwan, and then uh, that the the rest of the other you know yeah. is, is spread around you know well, many many um, many many countries primarily in Southeast Asia. Mm. But still, it's the first internationally successful app that people outside Japan actually respect as a big with, with a real business model. With it. a real business model as well. So these these guys are you know doing. I think last year they did a. 750 million dollars in revenue or something like that mm. and it's just it's just going up and up and up so the, it, uh, they will hit a billion with no problem at all this year um and yeah so, so it's, it's it's the first one that uh, broke out of this uh, out of this uh, you know galapagos that's very very true actually yeah, mm. yeah. well it seems like there's a uh this is really could be Japan's moment for
0: a rebirth in terms of the, the new mobile economy.
1: Uh, yeah. So if LINE takes off really outside, outside Japan. So, I mean, there are some, uh, some people saying, well, I mean, it's still largely Japanese phenomenon slash Asian phenomenon. Because in the U.S., uh, uh, you know, text messaging is big. iMessage is big. Um, and uh, in, in China, you know, WeChat is big. And they don't let uh, really other, you know, social services into the country. In Europe, WhatsApp is big. Uh, so Line has a little bit of work, uh, work to it, uh, work ahead of itself. But if there's one app at the moment that everybody's talking outside Japan, that's not a game, it's certainly Line. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adam. It's been great to catch sure. up.
0: You've been listening to Between Worlds. For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com/slash between worlds.